Hello and welcome to the Millennial Minimalist Podcast. I am your host, Kelly Foss, and together with my co-host, Lauren Morley, our mission is to help you simplify your life and live with greater intention. Together, let's live more with less. Hi, everyone. Today, we are speaking about how to be more intentional with your phones so that you can feel good and be more present. This conversation is a clip from episode 135, where I speak with award-winning science journalist, speaker, and author, Catherine Price, to share insights from her international best-selling book, How to Break Up with Your Phone. Catherine's goal is to help us keep what we love about our phones and minimize or eliminate what we don't. And in this clip, she shares tips to help you avoid getting distracted by your phone and strategies to help you become more mindful with your phone use, including how you manage your device around others. You will also learn about the implications that come from overusing your phone, and you will be challenged to build a better relationship with it through mindfulness training. Be inspired to take back control of your phone and get back to focusing on what really matters. In your book, you really just encourage us to build a better relationship with our phones. Yeah, I like to think about it as being like a human relationship. Like if you break up with someone, you're not saying I'm never going to date another human being. You're just saying that relationship is not healthy and I want to step back from that so I can create or find something that's better for me. So that's what I'm encouraging us to do with our phones. Yeah. And I think your the title of your book really pulls people in. It's so interesting <laughs> because I, I was telling my boss's wife the other day, I mean, this is when I first started reading your book. I said, I'm feeling really anxious around my phone these days. And immediately she sent me a screenshot of your book. And I said, no way. And I sent her a screenshot of your book. I was like, I'm literally reading this right now. So oh, really, that's so cool. So it's very yes. cool to hear. Yeah. yeah, I thought you would like that because I was like, wow, a lot of people are know know about your book. And again, I've told a few people in my network about this book. They're like, wow. I mean, it pulls people in because I think a lot of us can relate to our phones being a security blanket in ways. And we pick up our phones when we're feeling anxious or when we're feeling bored. And again, people know that there's, they're losing something in that process. And, and maybe you can share a little bit more about like when we're distracting ourselves in these moments, what are we losing? I think we're losing a lot of things. I mean, we're obviously, you know, you could argue that we're gaining some things depending on what you're doing on your phone, but we're definitely missing out on everything else. So I think that, you know, we have so much FOMO about missing out on whatever might be on our phone. We know a text message, a phone call, a social media post, a news story, an email, whatever. But we rarely think about it in the other direction, which is that when you are paying attention to every new notification that comes in on your phone, what are you missing out on in the rest of your life? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I mean, if you look around, if you if everyone listening just does a little experiment the next couple of days and just try to act almost like a scientist and observe people on their phones as you walk around, you'll be kind of shocked. I mean, it's, we kind of accept it as commonplace, but you know, like it's a little, it is crazy to text someone while you're driving on the highway. And it is crazy to not even look up from your phone when you cross a busy intersection. And it's really rude if you check your phone in the middle of a conversation with a friend or, you know, you're on your phone while your kid is trying to play with you. Like that's rude. I had a friend who read this really great essay that um, (laughs) suggested that we imagine that people were doing something different instead of those activities. Like imagine you're out for lunch with a friend and in the middle of your conversation, they just pull out a full newspaper 
and put it between the two of you. Right? And they read two sentences and then they shut it and they put it away and they act like they've done a big deed. By now they're paying attention to you. Maybe the newspaper's face down on the table, right? And then like 30 seconds later, they pick up the newspaper again and read one line. Like it would be crazy, but that's exactly what we're doing. So we're missing out on a lot of um, human connections, which is ironic because we turn to our phones for human connection. We're missing out on the little fleeting connections, like the little eye contact with a stranger or the tiny moment of small talk with the person next to you in line, which might not seem like a lot, but that actually does a lot to boost our moods and also to create a sense of community and belonging to create these kind of little threads that connect us as human beings. You know, Mm -hmm. we're also destroying our ability to focus. We're training our brains to be incredibly distractible. So if people feel like their memory is shot or their concentration is not what it used to be, like, you're right. (laughs) And it's in large part because we're training ourselves to constantly be you know, shifting our attention to our phones. Um, I mean, the list goes on. Like, I, I, the more I've researched and thought about this, the more concerned I've become about the subtle but very deep effects that existing in a constant state of distraction is having on us, both individual as individuals and as a species. <laughs> yeah, yeah, having on us, but also those around us too, right? You, your yes. research, you focus on mindfulness even just going to the grocery store and pulling out your AirPods when you're going to check out so that you can be present with someone. I mean, that's mm-hmm. just being respectful of them, right? Yeah, I think and- we, we really are not acting with respect and it's become so commonplace. We barely notice it anymore. But like, I, I don't know. I remember I remember my first encounter with someone on a cell phone. I remember it distinctly. <laughs> it was in Central Park in New York and there was this person just talking to themselves. Like really loudly. And, you know, like I grew up in New York. I kind of have this like, as many people, natural thing. If someone's talking loudly to themselves, you try to cross the street. Yeah. And I was like, what is going on? This guy's wearing a business suit. Like he doesn't, he's not showing, it doesn't look like he's crazy, but he's acting crazy. And I was like, oh, he's got this thing that he's talking to. It's a phone, you know, it was like crazy. But I think that's so funny that I still remember that. But anyway, you know, we've now, we never really thought about what the etiquette should be around our devices. And so now we are interacting with them all the time and they're often taking precedence over the real life human beings around us. Mm -hmm. It's really interesting to me that even animals can pick up on this. Like there's a really interesting documentary um, that Diane Sawyer did before the pandemic. It was just called Screen Time. And they had viewers send in clips of various ways that phones were affecting them. So some of them were like kids having total freaking meltdown tantrums when phones were taken away from them. But other ones, which were upsetting separately, but other ones were of people whose pets were swiping the phones out of their hands, like cats who were like going for it, or dogs that were inserting themselves between the owner and the screen. Wow. And I just think that, and I've actually heard that anecdotally from a number of people myself. And I think that that's just very telling where we act like other people aren't really noticing or our kids don't really notice. Like they can't tell we're not really paying attention to them. It's like your your dog knows that you're doing that. Yeah. So we're just fooling ourselves. Yeah, and dogs are really smart that way. They, they know that they know when you're giving your them attention, they know when you're not, exactly. <laughs> and they will let you know that they want your attention. So, <laughs> and we all know what it, that it feels bad when someone does that to us. It's like, you know, when your friend is just, uh-huh, like, uh-huh, or you're like on the phone with someone and you can hear the keyboard clacking and you know, they're writing an email while you're talking and you're like, come on, you know, but we somehow don't flip that around and recognize that we do it to other people. I mean, and also like, it's not a belief that multitasking isn't a thing. That's a scientific fact. Our brains just can't pay attention to two cognitively demanding things at once. So like, sure, you can knit and have a conversation or you can fold the laundry and listen to the radio because those are very different parts of your brain. Mm -hmm. But you can't write an email and have a conversation or play a word game and talk to someone. You just can't. There's a great quote from this uh, Buddhist monk who 
says, you know, can the, he's like, the brain cannot think two thoughts at the same time. Like basically try it. Can you do it? And it's like, well, no, you can't think two thoughts at the same time because Mm -hmm. the thought is entirely absorbing. And that's exactly what multitasking is, is essentially trying to think two thoughts at the same time. Your brain, it's really better described as rapid task switching. And, you know, and as I say in my book, like if you think about in terms of our productivity, if you think about driving a car, right, like if you're going 60 miles down the highway and you have to make a sharp right hand turn to do something else, you're going to have to slow down and then speed back up and then slow down and turn back to the direction you were going. So in that sense, it's also detrimental because every time you are task switching, you're actually interrupting your productivity and slowing yourself down. So anyway, I throw that out there because I know a lot of people have like multitasker on their resumes and that actually is a bad thing to aspire to. And the people who think they're the best at multitasking tend to be the worst at it. Oh, that's funny. I think, I mean, we have a culture that's obsessed with efficiency, right? I, I actually just, um, I, I just started reading a, a book by Johan Hari. I'm sure you've heard of him. He wrote the book Stolen Focus. And he was saying that the average American office worker focuses on any one task for only three minutes. And, and you had people who were shocked. Wow. Three minutes. That's a long time. Then you had other people like, <laughs> wow, that's really sad. <laughs> oh my God. Well, it's true. I think one of the biggest things our phones are doing to us is preventing us from getting into a state of what's known as flow, which is when you're completely engrossed and present in what you're doing. I mean, often to the point that you lose track of time, but flow is an incredibly productive state. And there's a lot of really interesting research about what happens in your brain when you're in a state of flow. But yeah, so in your state of flow, like three minutes, I mean, when you're in flow, you can have three hours that feel like three minutes. So there's just so many reasons I think that we should be thinking more about how to protect our attention you know, reasons ranging from the effect that distractions having on our relationships to on our ability to get things done. And also just to going back to your original question, in terms of what are we missing out on if we're constantly distracted on our phones? Well, one thing we're missing out on is really absorbing our experiences. And that's very important because the only way you have memories is if you have experiences to begin with. Like you can't Mm -hmm. remember something if you didn't experience it. So if you feel like your life is passing in a blur, it might in part because you're so be because you're so distracted all the time. And then if you take it a step further and you think, okay, well, you can't have a long-term memory unless you had a short-term memory, which you can't have unless you had an experience. Many right. of us are really thwarting our ability to have long-term memories. And to me, that's concerning because if you think about what makes someone creative or insightful, to me, that's the ability to draw connections between seemingly unconnected things. But those things are memories or information that you've stored in your brain. So if you're not storing new information, new memories, then how are you gonna have an insight? Or how are you gonna have a creative thought? It'd be like trying to cook a meal when there's nothing in your pantry. Mm-hmm. And as if that's not enough, the actual process of transferring your short-term memories to long-term storage in the brain requires your brain to make new proteins. And one of the things that gets in the way of that process is distraction. So there's a strong argument to be made that when you're constantly distracted, you're, you're not having experiences to remember in the first place. So you've got no ingredients in your pantry, but you're also interrupting the process that you would need to do, to go through in order to actually store those memories. So, I mean, that's what I say where like, it gets pretty deep and pretty upsetting pretty quickly. And that's where I'm like, oh my goodness, just think about all the thoughts and ideas and insights that are not being had because Mm -hmm. we're so distracted all the time. Mm -hmm. I mean, obviously there's ways in which technology spurs creativity. But the constant distraction element of it, I think, is having totally unquantifiable, but really potentially (laughs) serious effects. Mm -hmm. Crazy mental clutter as well. 
even I would say a couple of weeks ago, I was just feeling so mentally cluttered. I was like, I just need to do like a, a brain dump. <laughs> I just need mm-hmm. to go for a walk. And I, growing up, I would, I was an artist and I would just paint for hours on end. And that was, I was in a flow state. The mm-hmm. time would just go by. Wouldn't even know like, it would be like three hours later. Like, wow, it just flew by. And at that time I didn't have a phone, but I just remember just be having that focus and that creativity. And, and now I feel like sometimes when you walk down the street without AirPods or, or, or headphones, people look at you weird. It's like, you're just walking. Like, it's almost like you have to have them in your ears, even if they're on silent. I've had experiences taking ride shares this is before the pandemic, but I remember several times where I would just be looking out the window because I was consciously trying to spend those, you know, five, 10 minutes, like just being still and looking out the window. I had more than one driver ask me if I was okay. <laughs> oh I was like, yes, I'm just looking at the clouds. <laughs> wow. Wow. And, yeah. And, and that's hilarious. Oh my gosh. That's actually sad. Uh, it's, both. And, it's like hilarious sad. I don't know what the word is for yeah, that. It's probably it, a German word. <laughs> yeah, probably. And, and you said, you said quote in your book, our phones distract us from our emotions. And it's so true. When we're distracting ourselves, we're trying to get away from stuff, you know, uh, yeah. or maybe we're anxious in a moment during work. And so we want to pick up our phone and Sometimes I think, oh, maybe I should put a screenshot on my phone that says "Don't pick me up anymore." Or oh, just... I have one of those. If you, oh, really? um, I've got free um, lock screen downloads at ScreenLifeBalance.com. I've got one that says, "Do you really want to pick me up right now?" Oh, perfect. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That people can can check out. But yes, I completely agree. I mean, well, I guess you were just saying my own point to me, so obviously I agree with that. <laughs> Like, yeah. oh, I totally agree with that point you made. Um, no, but I think that to me, at least we use our, I think we use our phones in the same way we use substances or drugs as a way to like numb ourselves or to distract ourselves from negative emotions. If you think about it, like you have a glass of wine because you're stressed out, right? But you also turn to Instagram for that reason. Or you smoke a cigarette because you want, you know, you're anxious or whatever. Like there's a lot of similarities in the sort of self-soothing behaviors that we engage in. But the irony to me is that in many cases, when we do that with our phones, we end up feeling worse. Like if you're Mm -hmm. already feeling anxious or insecure, for example, and you go on to the news or you go onto Instagram, you're probably not going to come out of that feeling better. Like I, I try to think of my phone as a Pandora's box of emotions and be aware that whatever I encounter, if I turn it on is probably going to have an impact on my emotional state. And while I can't predict that entirely, in most cases, it's not necessarily going to be a positive outcome. You know, like best case scenario is maybe I have a pleasant distraction for a minute or like a hit of dopamine. But in many cases, I mean, especially with the news, like you're not going to find stories about puppies on the front page. And I think the irony also is like, okay, there you can say you should keep up with the news, but what we're doing makes absolutely no sense. Like, we're checking the news again and again and again and again and again the same day where, you know, no matter how constant the 24 hour news cycle is, there's not new news. If you think about what we used to do with newspapers, like you'd read the newspaper in the morning and then you were done with the newspaper. You wouldn't come back 30 minutes later and read the same stories again, or like remind yourself of the horrible headlines. Like you just wouldn't do that. You would, you would recycle it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I, you know, they actually, that would be cool if there was like a vanish mode on news stories where it's like, you saw that already. Never thought of that before. Wouldn't that be great? Cause it'd be like, no, like you did it. You like, you don't need to read that again. That is great. It would just go and invi- it would just be invisible. It'd just be blank. Exactly. Or you could be like recycle this content and then it would like get dumped somewhere. <laughs> That's so funny. Do you know any stats around how many minutes it takes for us to get back into focus once we've been distracted? 
There, there's some famous study that I don't remember whether or not I thought the study itself was designed well, but it was basically like upwards of 20 minutes once you got back on to, to get back on task. So if you think about the math there, I mean, again, I'm not sure about the design of these studies, so we're going to assume that they're like legit enough to make the, have this conversation. But if you're focusing for three minutes and it's taking you 20 minutes to refocus, that's not a very productive day. And the irony is then we like just keep working and working because we feel so unproductive, which burns out our brains. Going to what you were saying in terms of feeling overwhelmed by the amount of information, you know, your brain is just overwhelmed. Like we are exposing ourselves to this fire hose of information all the time. And we're really tiring out our brain's ability to think, right? So that's why we're so distractible. But then we try to st- we try to force ourselves to focus more using the exact same part of our brain that we've already overwhelmed with this fire hose of information. And then we wonder why we can't focus. Mm. So it's this cycle where we're we're never giving our brains a break. And even the things we're doing to take a quote break are actually just putting more information into our brains and really taxing our working memories and our ability to, our executive function, essentially, like our ability to make decisions and our ability to stay focused and to remember stuff. Like we're just exhausting that portion of our brain and not recognizing that the solution to that is not to continue to try to work or to continue to scroll It's actually to step away from all of that and give our brains a break, whether it is staring at clouds or if it's doing something entirely differently. Like when I was writing my latest book, which is called The Power of Fun, which is directly related to how to break up your phone, I used to have this habit of, quote, taking a break by checking my email or checking the news. And then I'm like, well, I don't feel rejuvenated. And now, you know, you know how you can see your productivity start to dip throughout the afternoon and you basically are like, I've done nothing for the past three hours. But then I realized if I did something else, like I started taking drum lessons as a result of that book. If I did something like practice the drums or practice guitar or like go for a little walk outside without my phone and then came back. I'd be so much more productive. So there's this irony where we think we can't take a real break because we need to be productive. But our obsession with productivity is just making us waste our time and overwhelm our brains and making us less productive. It'd be much better to just take that half hour and truly take a break and then come back. Definitely. Actually, um, a client of mine, uh, she, we had a Zoom call the other day and I was telling her about our conversation today. And she goes, oh, well, do you see all these bracelets on my wrist? And I was like, yeah. She's like, I picked up this, this hobby because I wanted to, she literally said, quote, create instead of scroll. She was addicted to scrolling. So then she was like, I'm just going to take 10 minutes, 15 minutes and make a bracelet. So she has a bunch of bracelets. Wow. Like bracelets or like, yeah. Like the ones that we used to get when we were younger. Oh my goodness. Yeah. I actually started getting back into French. I just took mine off because I was giving a talk, but I I should put it back. Actually, here's one my daughter made. It is next to me. on the. Oh, that's so cute. That's so funny. I actually had bracelets made that just remind me of my own intention. So I've got these brass bracelets, um, one that says pay attention, which is a reminder to look up essentially. And then another one that says delight, but, um, but I like these. They're like less of a commitment than a tattoo, but they're still. Yeah. Uh... <laughs> That's exactly what was going <laughs> through my head just now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like, well, maybe maybe I won't want to pay attention in 20 years and then I'll just take it off. <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. So so now considering our smartphones are an extension of ourselves um, and it makes it easier for us to become addicted. Can you share one or two changes people can make today to take back control over their phones? Sure. I mean, I think the first thing which one do I want to start with? All right, I'll start with the practical one and then we'll go philosophical. One practical thing you can do is take the time to adjust your notification settings. I actually think of those as interruptions, not notifications, because notifications 
suggest that it's really important and that you want to be notified of it, right? But like, in reality, they're really just interrupting you most of the time. And I think that's a useful mind shift to make because then you can get kind of irritated by these interruptions instead of feeling beholden to them. So you can do that on a couple levels. In the phone itself, you know, I'd definitely recommend turning off as many as you possibly can. Start with a bare minimum. Like I only allow notifications for phone calls and text messages because it's people I know trying to reach me directly. Um, and then calendar stuff and navigation so I don't get lost and I don't forget something. But everything else pretty much is off. I'd also recommend using the new focus modes if you have an iPhone and then looking into digital well-being tools on Android devices. Because like Apple just rolled out this whole focus mode thing where you can have scheduled times when you are or are not interrupted, like bedtime, for example. Um, and then also go into the apps themselves and adjust notification settings there. So for example, Instagram, like you can go into Instagram and decide whether or not you want to find out when anybody in your entire network like starts a IGTV thing like you might just not care like within Instagram personally I only care about direct messages I don't really care about anything else so I turned off there's so many settings in there you can turn off wow okay so then you can have a situation where within Instagram you're only being notified for what you want to know about and then your phone itself is not going to have Instagram notifications so you'll only get those notifications slash interruptions if you go into Instagram and that speaks to the broader point of trying to make your interactions with your phone as intentional as possible. You know, you're not trying to cut back for the sake of cutting back. You're just trying to make sure that when you use your phone, it's because you want to use your phone. And the second thing I was going to say, which is connected to that, is I think that one of the most useful things we can do is have this philosophical shift in how we think about our phones to, you know, from a temptation that we're trying to avoid to an obstacle that's getting in the way of how we want to live our lives in some cases. And one way to help solidify that is to start to break this cycle of the automatic checks. Well, first of all, ask yourself what you want to pay attention to, right? Like ask yourself what in your life is actually important because there's a lot of companies that are making a lot of money by getting you to pay attention to their apps. And if you want to, that's fine. But I'm going to guess that most people are not going to put like check social media 30 times a day as like a top priority for how to spend your attention. And then the first step in breaking that cycle is to become more aware of when you're using your phone, reaching for your phone, and why. So I suggest that you can try an experiment where you put a rubber band or a hair tie around your phone for a couple of days. And the point there is so that when you reach for your phone on autopilot, which you're going to do because it's an ingrained habit, you notice that there's a band around your phone. Part of your brain's going to be like, why the heck is there a <laughs> hair tie on my phone? And that's a little bit of a speed bump that will make you slow down and give you a chance to remember to do the second exercise I suggest, which is a practice I came up with called WWW. And that is short for what for, why now, and what else. And how it works is you notice you picked up your phone because of the band, or maybe you've cultivated the self-awareness to notice it. And then you ask yourself, what for? Like, what was my purpose? What did I pick up my phone for in this moment? Was it to call a friend? Was it to buy something specific off Amazon? Did I have any purpose? In many cases, you realize, oh, I didn't really have a purpose. Then you ask yourself, why now? Like, why did you do it in this moment? Was there an actual time-related reason? Like your friend's birthday is coming up, or you had to call, you know, your mom or whatever. Or was it an emotional reason, which is very often the case? So was it because you were feeling a little bit anxious and you were trying to self-soothe? Was it because you were bored or kind of you know, overwhelmed by what you were doing and you wanted a distraction? Like, were you lonely? Did you want a connection? And then once you identify the emotional driver behind why you reached for your phone, 
or you know the actual the other temporal driver you can move on to the next or the last step which is the what else and that's where you basically ask yourself okay well given that i now know what i'm after especially with these emotional ones what else could i do to achieve the same results or even a better result so if you're lonely maybe you could use the phone to call someone instead of going to social media if you want a distraction maybe you can go for a walk or do some you know read a book for a bit like you can come up with whatever alternatives you want you might also decide that you don't want to do anything you just want to give your brain a little space. Like, for example, if you're on the elevator and you notice you've reached for your phone, maybe you just wait for the elevator to get to the floor. Like, what are you going to do between the first and the sixth floor, you know? Mm-hmm. And then you also might decide at the end of this, what for, why now, what else practice that you really do want to be on your phone, that you had a reason or you you just want to be on it. And that is fine. Like, that's great. <laughs> that's when you should be on your phone because you've gone through this process and you've determined that it is your choice to be on your phone. So I think that that's just a useful tool and a, and a practice to get into for the purpose, again, of becoming more intentional and taking back control of your phone so that you're using it as a tool instead of, as is so often the case, you know, you being the tool. <laughs> mm-hmm. Thank you for listening. That was my conversation with award-winning science journalist, speaker, and author, Catherine Price, who wrote the international bestseller, How to Break Up with Your Phone. And if you enjoyed this clip and want to hear the entire one-hour discussion, please check out our episode 135 or click the link in the show notes, where you can also find a link to Catherine's website and her newsletter to get a free lock screen image to help you avoid needless phone pickups. And if you are enjoying this podcast, and if you haven't already, please kindly send us a kind rating and review on iTunes. Your words really help our podcast grow and bring on more exciting guests like Catherine. And lastly, be sure to check out next week's episode where Lauren and I share our experience traveling minimally to LA and finally meeting our friends, The Minimalists. So thanks again for listening, and I will speak with you next week. Bye-bye.